church, imagine with me for a moment. Imagine with me. Be with me for a moment as we are standing on the hills of Golgotha. A lot of us know maybe what that word means, Golgotha, but some of us don't. Golgotha in Aramaic means skull. It was literally the hill that Jesus died on. The Jesus died on hills that literally were shaped in the form of skulls. Be with me as the sun rays cast shadows upon the scene of both agony and victory, both agony and triumph. There on a wooden cross, the spotless, sinless, blemish-free Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, endured the imaginable, bearing the weight of our transgressions, of our sin, of our shame, our sacrifice. In that moment, as his lifeblood poured out from himself, as the world trembled beneath the weight of the crucifixion upon which he died, upon the cross, a proclamation proclaimed throughout all the heavens and all the earth to tell us die. It is finished. Where does that come from? Follow along with me in this first scripture. John 19, 28 through 30. Later, knowing that everything had been finished, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When Jesus had received the wine vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Okay. Good morning, church. Welcome. Most of you know who I am. I'm Nick Warren. I'm the Ankeny Campus Worship Pastor. Um, or as otherwise, you'd like to call me as the undignified guy who you see on stage every single, every single week. Uh, it's a blessing and honor to serve this amazing church. Amen. Amen. Today, we're going to embark on a very profound, deep term. And I believe before I even start today, this particular topic could probably be preached on for at least a month. So bear with me as I pack all of maybe a month's topic or more into one Sunday. We're going we're gonna to go by pretty fast. I'm going to go pretty slow and then just speed through things just for you to understand just how much Jesus did for us on the cross. It's a profound word. It's a single word, a word that echoes throughout all of the ages. This word resonates with power and love and redemption. It's a word that carries with, with it its weight of human salvation and the culmination of God's eternal plan. Tetelestai. It's in Greek, tetelestai. This word means it is finished. That word means it is the very essence of our faith, our Christian faith. It is finished. Awesome. What is finished? Well, at least for me, I love it when my work is finally finished. I'm sure a lot of you can relate. The dishes are done. The laundry is done. Your room is picked up some of the time. Right, wife? Um, I love it when my work is finally finished. And it feels good. It feels like I've done something. I've come to a complete end. But that's not exactly what Jesus is talking about here. What exactly is it? It is finished. What exactly is it that Jesus accomplished for us on the cross? Tetelestai, which means it is finished, is the completion of a divine plan that was orchestrated by God through all of creation from the fall of Adam, from the very beginning. That's where sin came in, was pride, from the beginning, through Adam. 
Jesus then, in John 19, whispered that very word, yet powerful word, to declare that the power of sin is no more. The sting of death is no longer overcoming us, and the grave to eternal life, not the grave, the gateway to eternal life, has been flung wide open. However, there is so much more to this meaning than what was accomplished on that very Good Friday. To tell us, I echoes throughout time and is still applicable to our lives today. It has, been, it has been meaning that we have been washed clean by the blood of the Lamb, by the blood of Jesus Christ, who came as a ransom for many, who came to seek to save the lost. Jesus' declaration of Tetelestai declares that our past mistakes, our past guilt, our past hurt, our past frustration, our past angst against God when he doesn't do what he says he will do in the time that he thinks that it will be done. We're sometimes lost. We don't know what's going on in life. But because Jesus said it is finished, we can rest in that promise. He gives us rest that he has conquered it all. He is overseeing it all. He knows what we are going through. He came, God incarnate, in the flesh to know exactly who we are, what we experience day to day. And he brought it to completion on the cross. For in the finished work, we have forgiveness, redemption, and the unmerited favor of our heavenly Father. Let's take time to pray right now. As we gather church as one body, Lord, I pray that you would bless our hearts. You would open up our hearts. You would open up our minds to the profound truth that is within these words. It is finished. Let us allow the power and the simplicity of that word to refine our souls, to bring us to you, Lord God, to remind us that through the finished work of you, Lord Jesus, on the cross, we have been set free from bondage, restored to fellowship with our Creator, and we are being called to live lives of purpose and significance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Like I said, we're, there's going to be a lot that I'm going to cover today. So bear with me. We're just going to roller coaster, if you will. And everybody that is new, welcome. I'm not the senior pastor. Of course, I'm Nicola Warren. I'm the worship pastor. Uh, it's a blessing to do this. Let's, let's just dig in. There are three main parts that I want to accomplish today. Jesus' powerful declaration, the biblical implications of what it means in the prophecy, in the fulfilled prophecies, and the application of what it is finished. It to tell this time means for you today. So let's return back to John 19, 28 through 30, and I'll read that for you again. Later, knowing that everything that had been finished and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk at the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. And when Jesus had received the wine vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Church, this climatic experience is the hinge of the Christian faith. Without what he did for us on the cross, we, we honestly wouldn't be here in this room today. Whether we are Christians or not, you wouldn't be here. You were given life, whether you know Jesus or not. You were given breath. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise as we sing often. It holds immeasurable significance for all of humanity. So what, what exactly did Jesus accomplish? What exactly did he finish on the cross. That's what we're here to know about today, to learn about. Three things, our debt, our judgment, 
and our death. The Greek word tetelestai was commonly used in these three primary contexts of time, such as business, court law, or military battle. During his death on the cross, he encompassed all three things when he said one word to Telestai. It signified the fulfillment of God's finished plan for redemption. Context number one, our debt. It's our business. In the context of business, to Telestai was a term used to indicate the full payment of a debt, of the completion of a transaction. And because of what Jesus did for us, the debt of sin is fully paid. Amen? Hallelujah. Jesus paid the debt of sin. Context number two, our judgment. We see that a lot in court law. It was in the legal sense that it was represented, this term, as an act of settling a legal obligation, often accompanying a signature or a contract on a legal document. But when Jesus said this, he was meaning that the sentence was fully served. The sentence of punishment of eternal, shall I say, damnation. That's literally what it is. Eternal judgment, eternal hell. The Bible says these words. Let's step into it. But because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we are free from that. We are free from judgment. We are free from sin. Amen. We are. Verse number two. 1 John 2, 1. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if you sin, we have an advocate, Jesus, that has imparting us with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. In this passage, advocate means parakletos in the Greek, which translates to being called one's own aid. In a courtroom, of course, you know, in a courtroom, there's a plaintiff and there's a defendant. There's two sides to every single court case. And most cases, they have witnesses to testify what has been done in a particular disagreement. But Jesus comes to be our witness. He comes to be our plea. He comes to be our, our defense against the accuser who is the enemy. And you know what's the greatest thing about that? We're always going to win when we have Jesus. We are always going to win. We always have victory. Come on. I want to, I want you to, I want to hear you. I want to hear you. I, I truly, you, tr- you truly need to know that. When we step into seasons of disagreement, when we step into seasons of doubt, when we step into seasons of, of brokenness, of bitterness, we know that what Jesus did for us is enough for that. Amen. That he was sensing every single part of that, of that broken season, of that hurtful season of that lost season, of that season where we were so clouded by everything else in the world. Jesus already covered it. Jesus already said, it is done. I have done it for you. He has won it all for us. Another verse that I want to kind of complete with that particular topic of Jesus being our cover for judgment is 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says that for he, God the Father, made him, Jesus Christ the Son, who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. Jesus took our place, church. Jesus took our place. When we were once dead in our sin, when we had no hope, we had no freedom, we had no joy, 
when we are full of bitterness, when we are full of anger in life, Jesus still came for us. While yet we are still sinners, Christ died for us. While yet we are still getting drunk, Christ died for us. While still we are abusing our family, Christ died for us. While yet we are still waging war in our jobs, Christ died for us. Christ died for everything. He paid it all. Jesus covered the judgment of sin. Jesus is our plea. Jesus is our defense, and he is our righteousness. There's a famous hymn that I, as soon as I was saying, saying that, I've been practicing, been like, Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect, you guys might know this, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. Context number three. Jesus finished our death. In a military battle sense, Jesus fully won the war. There is nothing that he left out. Jesus' blood finished it all. And there's nothing that we need to add. You need to understand that. There's nothing that our, none of our works, none of our coming to church, none of our reading the Bible, none of praying more can earn more of God's grace, more of God's favor. It is by, is by the victory of sin that, that, that blows it all out of the water. And it's through our worship, it is through our giving, it's through our life that we respond in worship to the victory that has already been won for us. We, we aren't accomplishing the victory to do it all. He did it all for us so that we're going to follow in that. Soldiers back in the day were, who were victorious over their enemies in the Old Testament time, would declare to Telestai. That's how we get that context of being victorious, to, to shouting out to Telestai. So in that very same victorious cry, Jesus said that on the cross to declare victory over Satan, over sin, over shame, over anguish, over hurt, over evil. He said that. He accomplished that. And it was finished once and for all. Let's go. Romans 8, 37 through 39 no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him, Jesus, who loved us. Come on. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, not height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Close, open, and shut. We could just close the sermon right there and go to Chick-fil-A today. I promise you. It's going to be. But, but Chick-fil-A is actually closed today, sadly, on Sundays. They're taking their own Sabbath. Um, pre pretty much every single week, I'm like, Lauren, can we go to Chick-fil-A? And I'm like, oh, it's closed again. Okay, let's go eat at Culver's. Oh, that's the second best. But Jesus fully won the battle at Calvary. Jesus fully won it over eternal sin, over everything, to tell us die. Let's get personal a little bit, church. Prayers and battles are one and fought in the spiritual realm. And worship is a powerful weapon that is wielded in the spiritual realm. Amen? Do not speak with timidity, church. Do not speak with fear. Come on. Do not, you, the Holy Spirit is in you, Christ in us. Let us not be timid. Let's speak over one another in, in hope, in freedom, in joy, whatever where you see condemnation. we got to speak that over people. We have to speak it. Second Timothy 1, 7. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. 
uh, one of the, what a really good line that Jason actually said at um, the outdoor service on May 21st. He just said, like, we're not spiritual punch bags, punching bags. We're here to face. We're here to face and we're here to wage war. We're here to lift up the worship of God because of his worthiness, of his proclamation of what he did for us on the cross. Let's make it even more personal, church. Do you desire to see God move in your life? I want to hear you. Do you you truly, like from the bottom of your heart, do you desire to see God move in your life? One of the best ways to do that is to pray constantly, without ceasing. Say it out loud. To pray. Get in your Bible daily. Get in your Bible daily. You have time. We can make time. There's only 24 hours in a day, sure, and most of that time is taken up with a lot of other things. We're ankety people. We're busy people. We got so much going on, but let's make time to pray. Let's make time to be in our Bible for us to see God move more in our life. Do you have a hunger to know the Lord more? Feed your soul. There's been so many stories I've been hearing lately with friends of mine within this very church that have been saying, I've just had a, I've just had a, a growth for hunger in the Lord. I've been seeing God move in ways that I haven't been experiencing before. Wow, what is going on? And I said, well, what are you doing? I said, well, I've actually been praying more. I've actually been in my Bible more. I've actually been spending time with other Christians more. I'm like, bingo. It goes hand in hand. It's simple as that. You have to make time for those three things and more. Prayer, Bible, like-minded Christians, you have to be with them. Do you desire to see your family also to come to know the Lord and to follow Jesus, live their life and surrender to Jesus and live for his glory? I don't think I need to answer that one, but cover your prayer. Cover your family in prayer and also read your Bible. Do all of this with the accomplished work that Jesus did on Calvary. The authority of Jesus and his words on the cross forever cleared the eternal punishment punishment that was due for us. What Jesus did for us was the gospel. What Jesus did for us was that there was only one fully God and fully man, and his name was Jesus the Christ, Jesus Messiah, Jesus our Emmanuel, who came to save and seek the lost. Last week, um, some of you may have known this uh, as I was leading worship probably noticed midway throughout the worship set that my, one of my guitar strings actually broke. Uh, I don't know if you, some of you noticed. If most of you no, did not notice, that's totally okay. You should have been worshiping anyway. <laughs> Closing your eyes, doing whatever you do during worship to worship Jesus. I broke my guitar string, and thankfully Pastor Ben has been like, you got a backup string? I'm like, I darn tootin' do. I got I to gotta get going. I got to replace my guitar string because it's literally an instrument of worship is an extension of myself. And when I worship, when we worship, when you worship, we should all mean business. We ain't playing around. Let's go time, baby. It is go time. Like we are here gathered. We, we only have like literally an hour and a half, hour and 15 minutes just to be with you. And it, we got to make that time count. Yeah. Yeah, Sunday isn't everything, but it's a big deal here. And we got to make it count. we got to fight against the enemy. We aren't singing pretty, dainty worship songs. We are waging war. We are, we are, we are, because of what he did for us eternally, we have to attack. We have to come back and say, this is what, this is what Jesus has done for us. An enemy, this is who you are, defeated, to tell us die. 
it is finished on the cross forevermore. Let's read Ephesians 6, 12 together. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We are declaring with boldness of who God is, for what he's done for his own glory, and in turn, we have to remind Satan all the time. Because he already knows he's defeated, but he could try to seep in and deceive us and be like, nah, I still got power. I still can overcome you. You know, that little thing that happened this morning, he's going to prod and poke us to make that more important than what is happening in this very moment right now as one church in 2023. Because here's the deal, church. I'm going to get even more real. If we are not active, we're being passive. You got to believe that. If we're not active, we're being passive. There's, 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 there's no middle ground. Like, we're not being... We're not just being. Like, we're either doing something or we're not doing something. So if we aren't living by faith, church, we're dying by fear. Are you listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit? Are you truly listening to him? Do you know what the voice of the Holy Spirit looks like or sounds like? If you don't, maybe slow down just a little bit and spend time with him. You need to spend time to know what the voice of God sounds like in your life. Because the love of Jesus demonstrated for us on the cross was forevermore, and shall I say radical. It was, shall I say, countercultural. It wasn't what we expected. It was agape sacrificial love. He poured himself out for all of mankind to tell us die. Hallelujah. Point number two. I'm going to go, I'm going to blast through this section real quick. Hold on to your seatbelts. We're going to go through the fulfillment of God's plan. The Bible has so many different fulfilled prophecies that Jesus accomplished through the cross. So let's just blaze through this, shall we? Isaiah 53, 5 through 6. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity for us all. He has laid on Jesus for us all. Church, sin separates us from the Father. And Jesus, even he is fully God and fully man, sin separated Jesus from the Father. While he endured the imaginable on the cross. Stop for a moment and just meditate on what Jesus did for us. Stop and ponder. Mark fifteen thirty four. Jesus cried out with a loud voice in Aramaic, Eloi, Eloi, me sakachambadede, which translates to, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Even Jesus, blocked from sin, taking on the sin of the world, could not no longer see. In that moment, he could not see his father. The son, the son was separated from the father because of sin. Is there any sin in your life that you know that you're not dealing with because you're too afraid to confess it or too afraid to confront it? Um, may, may, may I ask you that if you have any, I, just, I pray that the Holy Spirit would convict you just to surface that. Any sin. 
Holy Spirit, help me. Some more Old Testament shadows. So more at Old Testament prophecies that I want to go through. From John chapter 19, it was read that the hyssop plant that was covered with the sponge was reached up to Jesus' lips as he drank, and then he said, it is finished. This, this hyssop plant has been expressed through the Old and the New Testament usage for covering blood with sin, a cleansing brush, if you will. We first heard about the hyssop branch in Exodus 12, 22. Let's read together. And ye shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the top and the two sides of the doorframe with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. Here in this passage, church, Moses is instructed the Israelites to apply the spotless lamb's blood on their front door to save them from the tenth and final plague of the Old Testament. This hyssop plant was used to be like a sponge or a paintbrush. Nonetheless, this hyssop branch is now first introduced in the Old Testament and is, being, is considered to be one of the most prolific passages or most well-known passages in the Old Testament because of how much significant how much significance it has tied into Jesus' crucifixion. We then read about the hyssop branch in Leviticus and Numbers. It was often used for ceremonial cleansing. Let's read both of those passages together. He is then to take the live bird and dip it together with the cedar wood, the scarlet yarn, and the hyssop into the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. Hyssop is also brought up in Numbers here. The priest is to take some cedar wood, hyssop, and scarlet wool and throw them onto the burning heifer. This hyssop plan, while it might seem like it's an insignificant detail in the Bible, is very symbolic to the Israelites in the Old Testament. It points back to Exodus and the, and the deliverance from slavery. Let's now jump ahead to John 19, 29, the first verse the first section that we have been reading today. It also signifies hyssop. Let's read that together again. Later, knowing everything had been finished so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When Jesus had received the wine vinegar, he said, it is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The soldiers by Jesus' cross gave him wine vinegar. He gave him this hyssop who now hangs on a cross. The blood of the lamb in Exodus was signified to cover blood over a doorstep to save the Israelites from the death of their firstborn. That was a sacrifice back in the Exodus, where many sacrifices were needing to be paid for, for all of the sins that were being incurred on the nation of Israel. The Apostle John, now in the New Testament, calls upon the hyssop branch again to write about the crucifixion of Jesus that would take the Jewish people back to the time in Exodus, which is the saving blood of the Passover, the sacrifice of the firstborn. They now see that this is a symbolic moment, the fulfillment of Scripture. 
see how all these different pieces come together for God's glory and the word. Just as his hyssop branch was used in the first Passover in Exodus to provide the saving grace for the Israelites for the death of the firstborn, here we see in John the ultimate sacrifice once and for all to provide for them the everlasting saving grace that we find in Jesus Christ. The hyssop branch is symbolic. It helps us connect to scripture, but of course we know there's no inerrant saving power in vegetation or hyssop branch. Jesus Christ, of course, is that for us. It's just a symbol for great, to remind us of God's greater story, and it connects us between the Old and the New Testament. All the canonical chapters, all the canonical books that come together that make perfect sense to speak to one another for God's eternal glory. It's in these details we may think that they're insignificant, but we back up, we see the scriptures, and we see how grand God's story truly is. Point number three, the yearly day of atonement with the high priest entering the Holy of Holies. This foreshadows Jesus' ultimate sacrifice, giving forgiveness and reconciliation. Let's read Hebrews 10, 11 through 14 together. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religion, religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect holy these who are being made holy. Church, the crucifixion and the tearing of the veil from the outer court to the inner court to the holy of holies in the temple. The high priest could only go into the holy of holies because of the, of the incredible pressure of all of the sins incurred by the one nation. There's only one high priest that was appointed each year, and there was a cycle of high priests every single year. Sometimes they went more, but most of the time it was, it was one year. But because of the veil tearing in two on the cross of Calvary, the separation between the holiness of God and humanity has been broken. There's no longer, it's no longer divided. Jesus is now our great high priest. He is our mediator. We now have full, unhindered access to God. The crucifixion. Jesus destroyed the physical temple. And so now we, the church, become the temple of God. We are the purchased people of God. Slide next. Let's read 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 about what Jesus did to purchase us. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. I'm going to say that again. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Today, church, as we went through the proclamation of Tetelestai, as we went through the biblical pro- prophetic fulfillments, I want to talk to you about how this truly could apply to your life. You're like, how, how is this finished? How is all this going to apply to me? Well, let me walk you through it today. Point number one, redemption and forgiveness. 
redemption and forgiveness. Let's go to the first verse here. Ephesians 1, 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Next verse, Colossians 1, 13 through 14. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is how you can apply redemption and forgiveness, church. You need to give grace to others because Christ freely gave grace to you. You need to forgive others just as Jesus forgave you. He didn't have to forgive us. He didn't have to give us grace. He didn't have to do what he did. Honestly, Jesus said, I don't want to do this. Let this cup pass from me. But not my will, Father. Yours be done. He took on the sins of the world. He forgave the world. Let us be gracious and forgiving just as Jesus was. Point number two. Through what Jesus did, church, we have freedom from condemnation. Romans 8.1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Church, let us not recognize, let us, let us recognize when we are being self-condemning with our words towards each other and to others. Let's, let's truly treat ourselves with the royalty that Jesus bought us for. Like, we, we are, like, we're, like we're not high and mighty. We're not, we're not great. We're, we're not holy. But because of what Jesus did for us, we are being made holy. First Peter says, be holy just as I am holy. For he who knows sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus paid the price for us. Jesus purchased us with his own blood on Christ, on Calvary. We are not our own. Church, listen to how you speak about yourself and how you speak about others. No condemnation now for those that are in Christ Jesus. Point number three. How can you apply it is finished? There is now victory over sin and death. There's victory over anguish. There's victory over any ungodly thing that is in your life. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 Corinthians 15.55-57 reads, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, pre-Christ. Old Testament, the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is how, church, come on, this is how we are to walk in victory. Step with me here. Watch your words. Watch your actions. Think before you speak. I have to tell myself that a lot. I have to think before I speak. Read your word. Read the word of God daily. Take time in your schedule. Somewhere, somehow, 5 a.m., 10 p.m., doesn't matter when, take time to read his word. Spend time with the Lord. Praise the Lord for the small victories. It doesn't have to be big. It's like, all right, I got a new job. But like praise him for like, wow, I just picked up 
my room with all my clothes today. Like this, like, like sometimes for me, that's a victory. Like I just, you have to, you have to speak victory over yourself and you have to speak victory and hope over others. That is how we're going to apply all of this. Like we have to be real with it. We can't just pass by. We can't just text people only when, when we're, when it's convenient for us. We have to, and I love a friend of mine that said this in a small group, says you have to invade people's life in order to truly make an impact. You, you have to invade lovingly, but you have to invade. You have to come to them. You have to walk in victory. You have to speak over them because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Pray for those around you. And finally, spend time in worship. This on stage is not the only time for worship. Our life is worship. Everything that we do is worship. Everything. Your words, your actions, your job, your family, everything is worship because of what Jesus did for us, because of how he redeemed us. Everything now is a response, is worship unto him. So as I call up the worship team today, as I take a close Call up the worship team. Let's just have everybody stand. Let's have everybody come together as we close today. Church, may this exploration of Tetelestai, of it is finished, deepen our understanding of God's boundless love and grace for it to renew our commitment to follow in the true footsteps of Jesus, of our Savior, and inspire us to share this glorious message with a world that so desperately needs the love and the grace of Jesus. They need to know this love that, that loves the unlovable, that gives grace to the ungracious, that goes beyond, that reaches out, that redeems, that restores. For truly, church, in the word to tell us die, we find just not an end, but we find the beginning of a life lived in the fullness of God's eternal love.